Um, I'm probably going to start, maybe finish, a little differently than I s- sometimes do, if that's okay with you guys. All right. I'm going to paint a picture for you with words that you've probably heard before. So in the beginning, the greatest artist, engineer, and architect of all time brought creation into being with a spoken word, light out of darkness, separated the oceans from the land. The sea started teeming with life, with fish. Birds came in the air and all the manner of creatures walking on the ground. A perfect, self-sustaining universe, complete and in cohesion with itself. But that's not enough for a God of love, is it? A relational God. For God wanted to relate with creation. He wanted to relate. Um, he, He was already relational in himself with his very creation. He desired to relate with it. And unlike the spoken word, he get, gets his hand into the earth itself and forms mankind. He gets down and dirty, he forms us, and he breathes his very life into us, the very image of God, the very capacity to create and to relate and in, in, imbued into humanity. He gave his own nature, qualities of God himself. And he looked over everything, the birds, the trees, the, the land, and he said, it's good. But there was one flaw. There was one flaw. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. Because how can man, imbued with the image of God, who is relational in his own person, function properly without also being relational? And so so just as man was breathed from the image of God, woman was created out of man to create that same symbiotic union and relationship and, and they were one. They became one flesh. He says, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And they had the capacity to relate. And everything was perfect. There was perfect harmony. It says that God created every manner of tree that bore fruit, and he placed it in the garden. That the rivers that came f- through Eden uh, produced gold and onyx and other natural resources. Everything was just spilling out um, for humanity. It was all produced. Everything was easy. Every, they, were, they were together. They, they had shared responsibility. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And they, they walked naked and they were not ashamed. Completely vulnerable before each other and before God. They had perfect unity. No need to hide. No shame. No fear. Nothing. Completely vulnerable. Completely naked before God and before each other. They had no reason to hide. No reason to put up a facade. Everything was perfect. Wholeness. Happiness. Joy. Purpose. Shared responsibility. And then Satan came in. As sly as a serpent. And he comes and he starts putting seeds of doubt into their minds. And he said if the only way he could disrupt this perfection was to make them think that it wasn't perfect. And to Eve he says, did God really say, doubt God, 
is God really good? And he starts tainting their image of God. She, she answers and says, yes, he did say not to eat of that tree, for we will surely die. And he says, but if you eat of it, you will become like God, a lie, for they were already made in the image of God. They were already created with imbued characteristics of God himself. But he said, you will become like God if you eat of this tree. So they do. Eve eats it first, hands it to her husband. And I think that the second and even more drastic part of the breakdown of this Eden, this utopia, this, this perfect unity between humankind and God is when God comes into the garden. They, they, they had shame. They received the knowledge of good and evil and for the first time in their lives had the capacity to recognize lack. They realized that, that deep down that they, they, that, they were, that they were unfulfilled, that they had done something wrong, that there was something incomplete about their, their union with God because they doubted him. And there was division. But God comes right into the garden. They're hiding behind the bushes. They had covered themselves with leaves. And he comes right and he says, where are you? Not that you can really hide from God. But he says, where are you? And they come out. And, and God asks them, did you eat of the tree that I commanded you not to? And instead of approaching and coming before God with humility, instead of, instead of coming alongside each other to admit their fault, to come out in the open, to be vulnerable, he does the worst thing possible. He blames. Adam says, the woman you gave me, God, she gave me the fruit. All hope of connection is lost. All that blissful place of unity is completely shattered in the pointing of the finger of Adam to Eve saying, and to God saying, you gave me her and she did this to me. No more trust. Now there is a relationship built on fear and inadequacy. Performance enters in. There is shame. There is, there is unfulfillment out of their relationship. And they're sent from the garden so that they cannot eat of the tree of life lest they stay in that state forever. And we have a humanity that now functions not out of fullness, not out of, not out of complete knowing um, they're, they're the love that God has for them and the love that they have for each other, but out of lack, out of insecurity, out of shame and fear and distrust and, and in, incapability of, of viewing God and trying to, trying to see him, trying to relate with him, trying to do whatever they possibly can to fill a need that they don't even necessarily recognize. There's brokenness. There's anger. There's striving and straining, performing. No hope of escape. Humanity, humanity has lost their capacity to live in that wholeness with each other and with God. There's, there's, there's nothing they can do. But God did not give up on humanity. God did not give up. He continues to relate with humanity in their mess. He gives them the law, and he, and he points to, to the, to back to the origin, saying this is the way we're created to be. But the law, although it could not produce righteousness because of, of humanity's sinful nature, they just could not perceive um, the truth of what it was really in. So it actually perpetuated the problem. And they took it as a mandate to try and strive to, to maintain for themselves and try to attain to a standard based out of their own recognition of lack and just continually started falling flat over on their faces over and over and over, striving and straining to write a relationship that they couldn't do, striving and straining to, to bring themselves um, together and they couldn't. And we have war and just every, you know, all, all of these negative aspects that, that come down from the break, breakdown of relationship. And the only thing possible 
out of this performance-oriented lifestyle, the only thing that could break through, the only thing that could possibly reverse this was 100% unconditional love and acceptance. To break the very fabric of this system of striving and straining out of inadequacy would be for someone to say, I accept you even though you're inadequate. And that's exactly what God does. In the incarnation, Jesus comes down and embraces the world. God empties himself, comes down, embraces our separation, our delusion. He comes down, embraces the the you know the the sinful people of the past. He rejects those who try to put up an image. He rejects those and, and he talks to those Pharisees and says, You whitewashed tombs, you're clean on the outside, dirty on the inside. And he preaches the law on steroids, telling them that, well, you think it's it's bad to you know to, to commit adultery. I tell you if you have lust in your heart, if you look with lust, you've committed adultery. Oh, you think it's bad to kill? I tell you if you're angry. And he starts preaching, trying to to, to absolutely frustrate everyone's futile attempts at righting their wrongs, at, at changing themselves, at gaining salvation. He continually points to himself. The disciples say, you know, what shall we do to be saved? Who can be saved? Jesus says, it, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And he continually points to himself, and he takes the full ramification of that sin and all of the, the shame, the anger that's built up on humanity turns against God himself and puts them on a tree because they can't see him, they can't recognize him, they, they don't know how to deal um, with God himself. They put him on a tree, and he takes all of it into his own body. Nails in the hands, nails in the feet, beatings, the whip, the spear, he takes the very consequence of sin. He takes all of the sin into his own body and says, forgive them, for they do not know what they do, and with outstretched arms, he embraces humanity, and he embraces us in our brokenness, dies for us while we're still sinners, and invites us back to a place of Eden to stand naked and unashamed once again. All right. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 3. We'll start John 3.16. For God was so peeved at the world. For God was so disgruntled. For God was so angry. No. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, 
And men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Okay. In a place of shame, regret, fear. These, the songs we sang were so perfect that it is impossible to have a proper image of God. And that's why Jesus, part, part of why he came was to represent, he came as the perfect image of the invisible God. He, he came to reveal the Father. He says that, you know, I only do what I see my Father doing. And then if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He came into a, to a world, into a system where people could not see clearly. They, they did not know how God really functioned or who God really was. And so, so Jesus comes and demonstrates it to the world. And, and he didn't come to judge the world. He came to save the world. And he died. He embraced all of humanity, not just you and me, all of humanity in its crap, in its sin, in its facades, in its, all its performance and, and checking the, the balance. I did this good thing. I did that bad thing. I did these good things. That person is worse off than me. That person is better than me. Now I feel horrible. And he just embraced it all, all in one. And he said, forgive them. But then it says, but men love the darkness rather than the light. Why? For fear that their deeds would be exposed. But he who practices the truth, what's the truth? The truth is that God's not condemning. He's saving. God's not angry. He's loving. God's forgiving. So when when I practice the truth... I step into the light and I realize, oh wow, God is, God loves me. God's forgiven me. I realize that my deeds have been wrought in God, that Jesus has already done it and already taken it. I can walk blinded forever in my own inadequacy, in my own shame, and never see God. But as soon as we step out, as soon as we take that step back into being naked and unashamed, vulnerable before God, the love and forgiveness that Jesus worked on the cross has the capacity to work in our hearts and in our lives and open our eyes to see him and to see ourselves in truth. Um, the, the main gist of what I want to talk about today is just vulnerability um, and, and the capacity to be vulnerable. And, and I found so many pressures in my own life um, different at different times, similar at other ones, to fake it, to put on a facade, um, to, to try and, and, and really, based on pretense and the fear um, of the opinion of others to pretend um, or to, to fake it. Um, you know, there's been times when I wouldn't want to, you know, there's sin in my life that I didn't want to talk about. Um, for, for a long time in my life, I refused to ever tell anyone the stuff that I was struggling with because I was so scared, so scared that I'd be rejected, so scared that it would taint my image, so scared that if those were exposed, 
that it would have negative results. Now, eventually when I did expose them, I found out and I was actually able to, to receive restoration and freedom in myself and, and hope um, and, and, that, and the shame that governed my life and the fear um, and even the, the relational disconnect started to, to fix itself. I mean, I almost disappeared, and I started literally realizing I'm a new creation. In, in light of the forgiveness of God and, 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 and putting myself in a position for that to, to affect my life on a practical level, it changed. Um, we also have pressures and um, facades, you know, religious pressures. I have to act a certain way. I have to pray a certain way. I have to worship a certain way. Um, and sometimes we don't feel like we can be honest. Have you guys ever felt that? Yeah. Maybe you felt it here on a Tuesday night. You come and, and you're like, oh, man, all these people are, are really getting you know passionate. And I don't feel that way. And I'm not even sure what I believe right now. Um, and you find that you, you, don't, you feel like you can't honestly share anything. Because you're like, oh, man, if like people knew where I was at, I would just be looked at. They would just look down on me. And, and, and we have those, those fears and those insecurities, um, sometimes for good reason, if, if we've brought stuff up before and someone hasn't treated us well. Um, and that only strengthens, you know, that, that shame and that insecurity. Has, everyone, has anyone ever brought something into the light and been treated poorly for it? I'm sorry. Um, you didn't deserve it. And... Um, and we, we want to, to make a place where, where those things can be, can be brought out in honesty um, and with hope for, for healing. And it says, confess your sins one to another so that you will be healed. And, um, and we all, I think it's a continual necessary decision because of the pressures of the world to continually make room in our lives for vulnerability. And to humble ourselves, because there's there's always going to be pressure, whether you know whether it's spiritual pressure, um, you know pressure at, at work, pressure relationally to always kind of put up a front, always to lie just a little bit, just to make our image look a little bit better, and it doesn't do us any good, makes us miserable, absolutely just hardens our hearts, taints taints us from even perceiving God loving other people, and we just get bent in on ourselves. And everything becomes about, you know, measuring our, our spiritual thermometer, you know, worrying just in fear so much of, oh, what does that person think? What does that person think? Oh, I need to put, purport this image to change, um, to change the way that they view me. Um, and it's never, ever going to bring freedom um, to you. And, and there's really no need for it because God loves you, and he's forgiven you. And from an eternal standpoint, um, those things have nothing on you, and we can and we can bring those confidently before God um, and before each other. So I encourage you to find someone. Okay, it's it's not wise to tell everyone your problems um, or regrets or um, things that you're ashamed of. Um, there, there's just not, not everyone in our lives. Um, need to need to know, or would it would be helpful to know? Um, but it's important in terms of our own personal health and well-being and capacity to to relate with God and relate with other people 
to have a place of being able to communicate those things. And, and so find someone. How do you know if you need to, if you, there is something you needed to communicate? Well, is there anything that you haven't that dictates your behavior? That makes you afraid about, you know, exposing and being like, oh, if someone knew this, they would think I was despicable. And, and if that exists, then you need to share it. Um, because you can, you can be set free from that on, that on that simple level. If there's something in life, you know, and it could be something, you know, that's kind of surfacey, or it could be something that's really deep. Um, but if it's, if it's constraining your freedom in terms of relating with God and relating with other people, that's something that, that needs to find, that you need to find a place to vocalize it. And it can be really hard, and it can be really challenging. But I guarantee you that if you share it, with someone who knows and loves the Lord, you're going to reap nothing but peace and comfort out of, out of that conversation. So I encourage you um, to, to take that step. Turn with me to Hebrews 4. We'll start in verse 9. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You can fake it your entire life. It'll do you no good. You can pretend your way and hide your way. You can hide in the bushes, you know, forever. God will, you know, always be there with his arms outstretched. You can hide yourself away, and it'll do you zero good. You, you will not have the freedom of, of blissful connection with people. You will not have the, the, the freedom and the joy of being able to relate boldly and confident before God. And, that, and the word of God, the gospel, pierces it and, it, and it, and it gets right to the heart of the matter. And there is, listen to this, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need.
That's it. I really want to be genuine and to live my life um, in a place where I don't feel like I need to put on a facade. Sometimes I do. Um, And, you know, I I had a good time talking with Dustin, you know, last night, you know, just about that and just sharing and pressures that I feel being a leader and, and, and kind of feeling obligated to, to be on at certain times or to purport an image. I mean, how it's just no fun at all. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't produce life and it doesn't bring wholeness, um, to me, um, or the people that I'm around because I I don't have much to, to give then either. So be diligent to enter that rest that we have promised and so we can rest from all that striving and straining and, and shame-filled agonizing um, in, in life. Amen. How many of you, when you grew up, you felt like you could not be truthful about who you were and where you were? How many of you? My hand's raised. I think there are more of you that if you were honest, you'd put your hand up. But even now, maybe you're not real safe. I didn't for years. I did not share with anyone what was going on inside of me. I'm a pastor's kid. I have six kids. One of them came to Karen and me one day crying. And he shared what he was struggling with. And he felt like a flawed person in a flawless family. And I said, haven't your brothers ever talked to you? No. Haven't I ever shared my problems with you? No. And so he thought he had to try to be perfect because our family was perfect. We were far from perfect. Boy, that a lot changed after that. And I talked, I said, tell me where I failed you as a father. And they jumped on that one. <laughs> Vulnerability makes a place safe. Now I'm going to ask you a tough question. How many of you feel don't don't patronize me how many of you feel that this is a safe place raise your hand okay one of our goals has been to do just what you did tonight is to create an environment where people do not have to put on early on during our times of worship I said, Karen, some of them are trying too hard. She says, I don't think so. I said, I feel it. Some of them are trying to be spiritual or trying to, to put on this thing like, let's be happy because we're worshiping and I, I can't stand it. We don't want to attempt love. We don't want to try. So I'm very thankful for what he's saying tonight. I want to say to you that as far as I'm concerned, this is a safe place. I could never do in my congregation what I've done here. I've done it before. We'll do it again. We'll, we'll stop and we'll say, okay, raise your hand if you have sexual addictions because we want to pray with you, and people will do it. They, they would have criticized me if I'd done that. This wonderful church, it was a great church, but we couldn't be perfectly safe. So I hope that we're developing that, and even this message is helping. I don't tell everybody everything, but I have people I'll tell anything to. When God says, you need to share that, then I know I can't, I can't hold it. I can't. So I have two people I talk, a peer mentor and a mentor, someone that that, uh, I trust. So thank you so much. Let's say thank you. Tell me what you appreciated. What did you appreciate about it?
what are some things that you that you got from it that you really appreciated? Self disclosure early on, when he did that, when he said, "I I struggled, I had a long time struggle." Didn't that didn't that make you at ease? This was not going to be a perfect sermon by a perfect person telling me I should be more perfect. Okay, what else? Yeah, I mean. Mm-hmm. If, if when a leader shares, then the people feel they're okay. It's okay for me if someone up front, if someone up front gives the impression I'm, I'm, I've got it down pat. Now you follow me. I don't want to follow that person. A mentor at seminary said to me, the first thing I do when I mentor people is tell them some of my flaws. I thought, what a, what a good thing. And I didn't even do it with my own son. Any, what else do you like? I like his passion. Wasn't that eloquent? I'll tell you that was eloquent. That was really a good job. My. He did paint a picture for us, didn't he? Yeah, good job. Yeah. Pardon? Yeah, he, he worked on that one. That, that wasn't spontaneous, I, I don't think. Yeah, there was some polish there. Yeah, Natasha. Um, Dan, I really appreciated your sincerity, like in it. Like I can feel like the, I felt like not. It wasn't just something that was scripted. It's like something that you live. Like yeah. you feel the depth yeah. of that when you share that. Um, yeah, we we want that here. We want this to be a safe place for dangerous people, and so our hope is that if you're not there that at some point you come out of hiding. And you don't have to tell everybody. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell Dan. But you need to be vulnerable with somebody. And it always happens, vulnerability, when it's appropriate. There, there can be an inappropriate vulnerability. But an appropriate vulnerability always releases grace because it lowers the playing field. Okay, now I, I know I'm in because the playing field is even. It releases kind of a perfume. At a meeting, if if people are praying prayers and they, they sound a little bit too holy, and then someone gets vulnerable in a prayer meeting and just lays it out honestly, it just smells perfume. Oh, that's so refreshing. That sure was an honest prayer. Good, yeah, Kevin, come along. Hey, by the way, I got a massage from this guy today. Wow. He knows how to do it. I bless, I want to bless his business. We want to, we want to bless him and, and bless the business that, that he's prosper. If I did to someone else what he did to me today, my hands would be sore still today. But he's got such strong hands. The best massage you'll ever get. Man. I guarantee it. Don't I look stronger tonight? Don't I look, don't I look healthier? What? Yeah. Yeah, Matt. I just want to say, I just I like, appreciate your boldness. I feel like there's like nothing afraid that for you to like preach on. I feel like, you know, you just give the truth and you lay it out. I don't, I feel like, you know, there's like, there's not like any message that you'd be afraid to preach. Like, That's good. Just, I just love your boldness. Yeah. Good. Yeah.
Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So now let's take it home. Now it's it's your turn. Like we say, you don't get vulnerable with everybody, but uh, I'm telling you, I do. I get vulnerable with uh, both with my wife, and then there a uh, couple people I do with. There may not be anybody here that you could be vulnerable with to that point, but maybe there is. We all we usually just say break up into small groups and find somebody close to you, but maybe we need to move around a little bit more tonight and that there may be someone here that you do have. If you hold a secret, let me tell you this, if you hold a secret longer than a month, you're not holding it anymore. It's holding you. You need to let go of the of the secrets and and uh, open them up. That's why uh, confess your faults one to another. Why? For healing. Accountability is not police policing. Accountability is lifting the shame, rather than putting shame on people. I don't want somebody to be a be a police for me and ca- <laughs> I want them to say, Paul, I care about you, and I know that I don't want you to get caught in this so so i want to release that shame release the guilt so you can walk in the freedom that god's got for you so father would you would you let that happen more and more in this place that as people come here let them not feel that they have to pretend like pharisees that they have to make it look better that they have to fake it we don't want people faking. We don't want hypocrites, hypocrites, play actors, literally. People are playing that they've got it. If you don't get it, say you don't get it. If you don't understand it, say you don't understand it. We don't care. You can ask any question you want to here. So, Father, we pray that you would help us, help leaders in releasing grace to people in such a way that Dan did tonight so that this is a place for people to experience Uh, reality in Jesus, the joys and the sorrows, the struggles and the victories through Christ our Lord. Let me just, let me just accent a couple announcements that, that Gina made, and then we'll, we'll just uh, spin around into prayer. If, if at times you want prayer, but you don't want to do it real close to you, there's usually people up here and you can find somebody just say, Hey, would you pray with me? Uh, we kicked off again with our small groups last Thursday, and people poured out. We had 30 people here. We had 10, 10 gals. This was the first night for the gals coming in, 10 of them. So I think we're going to double that on Thursday. We had 27, 24 guys, uh, which means we had five groups. But we want more because that's where it really happens. When you get into a small group of four or five and you share your your strengths and your struggles. So I really, really want you to... Uh, take that seriously and tonight it's very exciting to start a church to be on the ground floor so if you're thinking about it, just come and, and listen we'll talk about it together after we do a little praying here and uh, do we have somebody to lead uh, uh, is is Kat here is she going to do the uh, we need somebody that can do the um, newbies any any volunteers to, to do the newbie meeting no, you're at the meeting. You said you want to be at the meeting. Dan, you do it or find somebody to do it, okay? Okay. So after a little time, we'll just announce it. And then if you're a newbie, at, uh, spend a little time. We'll get to know you. you get to know us. Okay. Good deal.
So spin around, somebody close to you. Uh, just maybe share what you appreciate it and then pray for one another. Not, you don't have to get vulnerable. It, it doesn't happen now, but it needs to happen, right? So uh, if, if now's the time to do it, go ahead and do it. But 